it's Jason from Maryland. Jason's not my real name because my fear is so embarrassing. But ever since I was a kid, I just couldn't pee in public restrooms. And even now, like going to a, a game or a concert or a show, I just don't like doing it because I'm always worried about what's the bathroom situation going to be like. Am I going to be able to go? Will there be a stall? Welcome to Your Weirdest Fears. I'm your host, Larry Mullins. Today, we're digging into a condition that a surprising amount of the population suffers from. Imagine being out in a public place. It could be a restaurant, a concert, or wherever, when all of a sudden, you have to go to the bathroom. I gotta pee. So you get up and you go to the stall, but as hard as you try, nothing comes out. It's called pyuresis or shy bladder syndrome. Approximately 7% of the world experiences this. That's including men, women, and children. While it may not seem like a major issue, as you heard from today's listener, it is embarrassing. So to get a better understanding at why, we turn to today's expert, Mr. Dan Rocker, now, Dan is both a licensed therapist and the president of the IPA, that's International Pyuresis Association, one of the only organizations dedicated to treating people with this condition. So, Dan, this seems like a social anxiety, right? It is indeed. You know, for the individual who called in, Jason, what he just described is a classic presentation of pyuresis. And as you point out, pyuresis is under the group of symptoms, which are called social anxiety disorder. So now most phobias that we discuss on this show are triggered by childhood traumas. Can we say that that is mainly the case for what leads us to this? I would say that that's true in the minority rather than the majority of cases. When I do hear about childhood trauma, I hear a lot about bullying, but more often than not, my clients report no memory of a specific trauma, you know, just a a general timeline of a generally declining urinary function, a, a shrinking, as it were, of their free pee zones, so to speak. I have pyuresis. It's about 98, 99% recovered at this point because I've been working on myself for a very long time. But anecdotally, I had a lovely childhood. I can't think of many adverse childhood events that would have steered me in this direction. So Dan, let me be real silly and ask the question out of ignorance, because I don't know that's why you're the expert. I am not. Why not just go into a stall? I don't like standing in an open urinal though either, and some of them are like a trough. So what you are describing is probably the first way that people wade into pyuresis. They, they might start at the urinal, they realize they're uncomfortable, they say, okay, well, if this doesn't work, I'll try a stall. Then they go into a stall, and after a certain number of iterations there, they realize that something makes them uncomfortable about the stall. Then they say, well, maybe if I just sit down in the stall, that would be more comfortable. So they're gradually narrowing down their options and making it a more specific scenario to facilitate their urination until finally, at its most extreme reach, it becomes, well, the most safe place to urinate is my toilet at home, and therefore that's the only place I can use. So even a person who has to go badly when they get to that stall or get to that urinal or whatever in the public place is like, nope, you know, the bodily organ is going, sorry, not today. I'm not going in here. Yeah, that's correct. I recall reading an article about a soldier who was having trouble providing urine at a routine drug test. Drug tests are terrible for my population. He drank 40 pounds of water. He passed out and he was hospitalized with hyponatremia. His bladder did not explode. People ask me all the time, can my bladder explode? No, your bladder's not going to explode. But a more viable concern, if you're drinking a lot of water and you're not urinating, 
is you could be altering your electrolyte balance, diluting the sodium in your blood, which can cause heart problems. So I encourage my clients to drink quite a lot, but I'm talking about between one and two liters of water, not 20. Okay, so Dan, we've been talking about how guys are affected by this particular uh, situation. What about women? Do they go through the same, you know, from childhood into adulthood? And, and how is that dealt with? So yes, the symptom appears in women as well. And paradoxically, there are ways in which it is easier for them, and there are ways in which it is more difficult for them than for guys. It is easier insofar as there is not the cultural expectation that women are going to stand side by side with each other, presenting their genitals and urinating in public, as is customary with guys at troughs or at urinals. With women, however, it is very common for when one woman says she has to use the bathroom, to turn to another woman, a friend at the table, and say, would you like to come with me? Would you like to come powder your nose? Let's go to the ladies' room. But the problem is, is that ultimately a woman has a, a strong and viable concern that one of her friends or colleagues is going to just ask her to come to the bathroom with her. And then, you know, she will be sitting there awkwardly next to her in an adjacent stall, unable to urinate. And so women with pyuresis can avoid social connection just as much as men do because they're concerned that they'll be called upon to do something that makes them feel inadequate. Dan, of course, we make light of this, but on a serious tip, this is a serious thing. I don't mind, you know, playing along with the jokes and saying that, you know, it's a weird disorder. I actually looked up weird in the Oxford English Dictionary and saw that, you know, it's related to the supernatural. So, and it does feel somewhat supernatural that something has hijacked a part of your system that historically has worked so well. But for my clients who are seriously affected, they literally may be unable to work. Urination has its tentacles in so many different areas of our lives. If you just play the tape in your head, it's like, well, how will my day go if I have to be home every time I need to urinate? You, you're not going to be able to work outside your home because most jobs require that you work more than 90 minutes or two hours at a stretch, which is about how often you're going to have to urinate during the day. You might not choose to date because you might be afraid about using other people's restrooms or bathrooms in their apartments or in restaurants where you might be dating. Turn away the opportunity for recreation outside of the home. So how would you treat me if you came into the bathroom with me, Dan? Okay, there's we break it down into primary pyuresis and secondary pyuresis. The actual inhibition from urinating, what a fly on the wall would see if you're standing there with your junk hanging out just not urinating, that's primary pyuresis, okay? The negative thoughts, feelings, self-evaluation, and shame that you wind up feeling on the basis of that, that's secondary pyuresis, and they require two different kinds of interventions. For the primary pyuresis, what I'm going to be doing is what they call graduated exposure or exposure response prevention, which is a component of cognitive and behavioral therapy. It's the B, the behavioral piece of cognitive and behavioral therapy. The general idea is I would be bringing you into a bathroom and bringing you into closer approximations of the situation that's causing you anxiety. So for example, in my office with someone who's very severely affected, they might start in the single occupancy, all gender locking toilet, and I leave the building. I'll go out in the parking lot and they can text me when they're done. Then maybe we'll do a second round with me in my waiting room. Then maybe a third round with me in my office immediately adjacent to the bathroom. Then maybe standing outside the bathroom door. Then maybe they crack the bathroom door open uh, just a smidge. You see, it's progressive and stepwise. And then when we exhaust the options in my office, we go to a library, do, this, do, do the hierarchy, go up that ladder in a library. Then we might go to a mall. 
then we might go to Penn Station. Well, you just, you okay. just peeing all over the place. Then. I am. I have left my mark all over this city. This city that I love, I have marked it all up. Dan Rocker, appreciate talking with you about pee. <laughs> uh, Larry, I'm grateful for your interest. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Your Weirdest Fears. Thanks to Dan for answering your questions today. If you want to connect with him, we will have his link in the episode description, which he was just referring. I want to know your fears now, so share them and you could be featured in the next episode. If you're enjoying this podcast, please rate us, review us, and subscribe to us. You can find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast from. Your Weirdest Fears is a production of 1010 Wins and WCBS News Radio 880. Our very special thanks to producers Jill Webb and my man Dempsey Pilat sitting over there. Hey, Demp. Andy Egan Thorpe is our audio engineer. Femi Redwood is the managing producer of podcasts. And I'm your host, Larry Dick Mullins. Thanks for listening.